Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining Bradley and myself today are two very special guests, Susanna Sullivan, an elite runner and a public school teacher from our area who recently ran the Chicago Marathon, and Frank Diana, futurist and managing partner at TCS. And now let's check in with Frank Diana, whom as we mentioned, top of the show is a futurist and managing partner at TCS. Welcome to One Vision, Frank. Before we keep going, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background? Because it's really, really interesting. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, first, and, uh, for having me. And second, uh, as you mentioned, I am a futurist and have spent many years really thinking about and talking about the future. And I spend most of my time uh, presenting on perspectives on that future and helping leaders understand what it might mean to them. So as you might imagine, in our world today, it's just a fascinating time to be a futurist. And, and when we think about, you know, that future, uh, some of that future is today. Uh, you guys are supporting 15 events across 14 countries with TCS. Uh, how exciting is that? Like, what's, what's, uh, what's race day like for you guys? Well, that's definitely exciting. It's been a passion of TCS's for quite some time now, running and the sponsorship of these events. I'm really driven by a couple of different uh, things. One, um, the notion that innovation that we do for our customers can be applied to a sporting setting like like running. Uh, the engagement and experience that one's able to produce these days, uh, again, applied in the context of running. And then lastly, um, health and wellness is a big purpose-oriented focus of TCS. And so Clearly, you know, sports and, and running specifically contribute to that health and wellness of society. So a lot of fascinating reasons for being involved. Uh, uh, it really sits in our sweet spot. I think running as a sport by itself has changed quite a bit, too. Um, and, and I know we'll touch on that, you know, in your view on looking towards the future. Um, one of the words that often comes to mind is bionic man. But before we get there, <laughs> in your point of view, what are um, our understanding is that, you know, technology is playing a fairly crucial role in uh, the marathons that you guys are sponsoring and specifically the TCS New York City Marathon. There is an app I heard um, that will be used. And can you just give us like a, a brief rundown on what are some of the goals that you're trying to achieve with that app and what role actually does technology play when it comes to running as a sport and having, you know, runners and, and the spectators and, and their families and loved ones are around them. Yeah, the, the app really has been a couple of years in the making. Um, so we've used it before, um, but it really specifically applies to the experience side of the, the, the things I mentioned. So bringing the spectator closer to the event uh, whether it's just by having them view the course uh, proactively in advance or actually find the runners on the course, um, meet them where they where the, the app says they are. Just a number of different things that allow us to make the experience much more effective for the uh, spectator. And I think we're just tip of the iceberg as far as where we're going with experiences. And when you think about that race day experience, I mean, you've, you've seen this app in use and, and the folks that are going to be using it at the TCS uh, New York City Marathon, they will be tracking not just the leading pack, but they'll be able to track any of the racers at any point in the course. And my understanding is that, you know, there's ways, uh, different parts of the course that they'll be actually see the runners cross these different finish 
areas uh, well before the finish line, obviously. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the things that people can do as they track the racers? Yeah, there's course cameras, as you mentioned, I think there are five different points along the, the route that they can actually see the runners at those at those points. There are spectator guides um, that help people understand where the runners are. Um, there's, as I mentioned, an interactive map that allows uh, the, the spectator to see the course interactively through the app. And so again, bringing them closer to the actual runner's experience uh, as a spectator. And as I mentioned, I think most sporting uh, most sports will go in this direction where the, the fan or the spectator is immersed in the sport in ways that we just couldn't have envisioned just a couple of years ago. Where do you think technology is going to take us in regards to the sport of running and other competitions? What are the types of experiences are you envisioning? And, you know, as a futurist, where will technology take us next with running in other sports? Yeah, such a broad topic that we could spend hours on. Uh, but I, so I break it down into three big buckets. One is the experience, which we've been talking about. Another is performance, and then the last is health. And so how does technology play a role across those three big categories? And uh, so if we start with the experience, we've already talked about some aspects of experience here through an app, um, but there are more things coming as far as virtual and metaverse-oriented ways that we can drive experience and, and bring the spectator even closer to the realism of, a, of an event. And picture your avatar running alongside the marathon runner as an example in a, in a metaverse, right? So things that we'll see happening from an experience perspective, not just the running, but across the sports. From a performance standpoint, we, we already know that we were capturing all kinds of data from wearables and increasingly our clothing and eventually implantables, um, where we can actually start to understand the athlete's performance at a level that we couldn't before. And so that plays a role both in terms of improving performance, um, but then just simply practicing and training and coaching through the AI and digital twin approaches that, that TCS is using today, uh, we'll see an improved level of performance through these technologies. And then lastly, in, in health generally, but maybe more specifically, injury prevention or recovery from injury, uh, technology is going to accelerate and help our ability to recover faster, avoid injury. You know, artificial intelligence will be applied to a broad data set that helps us see injury before it comes. Right. So I mean, just think about the just the wild different things and scenarios that we can do in the future with these technologies. You, you said one word that's really, really intriguing. And, and I want to ask you as a follow up to that. I would say about three, three, four months ago, I tried doing a marathon in the metaverse. And it was really, I, I, I don't have quite the right word to describe it. It was a strange experience because when you're running outside, you have the environment, the physical environment that you're immersed in. Um, you see people with you, you're running with them. When I try to do that in the metaverse, I don't know if it's maybe I'm not doing it right or maybe I just don't have the right mentality in there. I did not feel the same camaraderie, if, if that's even the right word to describe it, like the community that you can feel when you're actually running outside. And, you know, they, they try, they put in like a, a concert, you can listen to the music when you're running and you see the different scenes, if you will. Now, I think we can all agree that that is still not quite the end state metaverse as, you know, it, it, it would be the ideal. Just curious, from your perspective, you wearing the hats that you wear, 
How will you see that evolve? Please tell me we're not going to be wearing headset while we're running. <laughs> no, we're, we're early days. I mean, there's a lot of skepticism around metaverse out there, and I think it's a legitimate skepticism because it's early. Um, but if it evolves to places where people believe it will evolve, then the realism associated with that community sense that you want in the metaverse starts to get more real. Uh, just through things like um, just envision the future where you can scan your body and actually physically feel like you're sitting in that metaverse with the other runners and right not just an avatar but maybe actually clo the closer you get to feeling like you're there the haptic sensors that actually have you feel the environment around you some of those things are likely to happen um, whether they ever replace the real thing uh, i mean right the community sense that we all the social need that we have human, human beings have i'm not sure we ever replicate that in in those virtual worlds but but i think we'll get close and uh, closer than we are today anyway and, and, you know, there's the possibility of other sports like you know, cycling, which is a little bit different because when you're wearing even a, a light headset and cycling, you can get a little bit more immersive experience. I mean, just some of the things that you talked about. I mean, today we're, we're measuring things like, you know, your O2 levels and your heart rate and your splits and a lot of metrics that are external. But this idea that we're going to have, you know, little nanobots and these things kind of roaming around and tracking hundreds of things at a time uh, and potentially having some form of wearable that will give us like a heads up display of the topography, the weather, the not just splits, but you know, you, you could almost race yourself uh, physically uh, from what your other times have been and get a sense of, are you falling behind? Are you going to, to track, you know, along your sort of best rate, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's fascinating to watch and, and just being sort of part of learning more about what you guys are doing at TCS along with these marathons uh, has been really, really fascinating. Do you think that, you know, the end goal with all of this technology is simply to get people to get out there more, because I think that's really the goal, isn't it? That's the health at the end uh, for all of us. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a progression here that leads us to a healthier society uh, as more and more of these things evolve. So, for example, when I think about esports or virtual sports and the physical nature of these what used to be games or gaming that we kind of equated to a sedentary kind of lifestyle evolving to a much more physical lifestyle and and the, the true nature of gaming and the attraction to it i think attracts more and more people to that that physical kind of uh, healthy experience and so i do completely agree with you I, I think we're heading towards a place where it's actually a very net good for society at least at the health level as these things evolve and to your earlier point on like the wearable i mean envision the wearable that helps you in right in front of you see how you're doing maybe it, it, it's got a trainer alongside you tells you you can you can increase your pace or maybe you should slow it down at this point given what we're seeing right and so all those things are coming and one of the, the things that tcs is really big on is is this notion of digital twins and how do you simulate in in a digital world um, the physical world and so for example di a digital um, skin where we can start to trace uh, how you absorb uh, your sweat and water retention and the kinds of things that help you assess in the training capacity how to better hydrate, for example, right? A digital nose, as silly as those things sound, right? But uh, help us understand how we're taking air and um, whether we need to adjust our breathing patterns, etc. So just a fascinating series of technologies on the horizon. Thank you, Frank, for that wonderful background on the technology behind the marathon. We'll be sure to check out the TCS New York City Marathon app on race day. Now let's check in with Susanna.
very welcome to the show. And I think this is the first time, Brad, that we have a teacher um, in, in our show with us. So this is really, really super cool. I think and the first time a teacher and a marathoner. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, hey, I think that's a message for both of us. We need to do something. Um, so first of all, congratulations with the amazing results at the Chicago Marathon, Susanna. And can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background, what you do, and how do you come to do what you're doing right now? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so as you said, I, um, I am a teacher. I teach sixth grade in Fairfax County. Um, and I actually have the treat this year of having students this year that I had I taught last year because this is my first year teaching sixth grade after several years teaching fifth. Um, so that's been a lot of fun and they've gotten to join me on this journey. Um, and the last year and a half has been, uh, really, really fun as, as a lot of the hard work over the years seems to finally be coming together and, and to some, you know, meeting some goals that I've had for a really, really long time. Um, by means of backgrounds, I, um, I am a runner and I, I really kind of started this running journey in the Northern Virginia area as well. Um, I ran middle school cross country in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, but then my family moved to Falls Church when I was going into high school, um, and my sister was a very good runner, and we were very competitive with each other at the time, um, so I joined the cross country team, and as soon as I beat her um, in, I think, our first cross country race, I was hooked, uh, and so after that, I, um, you know, I think it was just one of those experiences where, you know, success breeds more success. I was really invested and um, a couple of my family members had gone to Notre Dame. So that had always been um, kind of in the back of my mind as, as a dream. And um, so I, I worked really hard at the running thing and, uh, and ended up going to Notre Dame um, to run cross country and track. And I had a very unspectacular four years there. Um, it just, I think it was just, uh, a culmination of, uh, or a combination of not adjusting particularly well. I was injured my, my first year I slipped on black ice and, and fractured my pelvis. Um, and so I just didn't get off to a great start there and running. And so it was a fairly discouraging four years. Um, but there were some flashes that of, of promise along the way. So when I graduated, I, I knew I didn't want to quite hang it up because, um, there had been some of those glimpses of, of, of promise. And it was just such an outlet to me. It was the best part of my day every day, even when it wasn't going well at Notre Dame, it was still like being with my teammates and being active and outdoors was a huge highlight of my day. Um, and so when I graduated, I moved back to the DC area and, um, I was in graduate school and, um, working part-time, um, teaching a little bit and working downtown um, at a consulting firm. And I linked up with a group called Capillary Runners. Um, and I told the coach there, his name's George Buckeye. And I said, look, he was a good runner back in the day. And, um, and I said, look, I just never, ever want to race again. I just, I just enjoy being around people and I enjoy being around the sport, but, um, you know, I'm, I, I just want to, you know, I just want to be part of the sport, but I don't really want to race again. And, um, so, I mean, one thing led to another. I started, I gained some fitness. I hopped in a couple of races and, and things went really well. I qualified for my first Olympic trials about um, 
two years after two years after that, I believe. Um, and so then that, then I was, you know, reinvested again and, um, yeah, things went really, really well. Um, and in 2020, I started working with a new coach, um, Andrew Gerard at George Mason. Um, and, uh, things have continued to go really, really well. I made some big, big jumps in the last year. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, and as it's been more and more fun and as I've felt like I've had some success in the last two years, I feel like I've been more inclined to bring it into my classroom um, and share it with the kids. And um, they're, I think they're just old enough to kind of get it that what I'm, that what I'm doing is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly special and um, that, um, you know, they, they think that I'm cool, which I think is great because at this age, um, you know, if you can, if you can harness that, um, it can help you be more effective in the classroom and, and, you know, modeling behaviors and things like that, um, that they think are cool, um, can, I think be really transformative for them. So. Can you talk about how well you, you did in this year's race? I, I believe you did really, really well in the original <laughs> yeah. record, I believe, yes? Yeah, I was sixth overall um, and the second American, but the first American set the American record. So um, I, I did not go into it anticipating that I would end up the first American. Um, the kids were really excited, um, and I was really excited for it because it really did feel I ran a marathon in June, um, grandma's marathon in Duluth. And I felt like I had really executed that race well. And, and the marathon is, is a, is a tricky thing to, to execute. Well, um, you really do have to be so cautious early on, um, that you're, you know, running within yourself and running slower than you think is reasonable. Um, you know, for, for somebody who has big goals, it's, it's hard to feel like you're you know, pulling yourself back. Um, at the beginning of the race, but I felt like I did that at grandma's because I, I caught COVID um, about two and a half weeks before the race. Um, and so I was very, very nervous going into grandma's that I was, if I, you know, overexerted myself early, I was not going to make it to the finish line. And so I think that having that element to it that like forced me to just really be cautious early on um, ended up turning into the, the best executed marathon I'd run to that point. Um, so I took that lesson and brought that to Chicago, um, and knew that I was going to need to check in with myself frequently at the beginning of the race and just ensure that like, are you running slower than you think you should be? If you are, then you're doing it correctly. Um, and so that ended up just working out really, really nicely at Chicago and, my fastest 5k was my last 5k of the race, um, which is exactly, you know, what you envision when you're marathon training, but it often doesn't happen for people. So it was just a thrill for it to all come together. And it was funny because the kids, when I came back and, you know, I don't, I know that, you know, they have their own, you know, sports things going on and, and they care a bit about what I'm doing, but you know, they don't want to hear the play by play. Um, probably. And so I was trying to explain to them that, you know, I, I felt like I had done better in this race than I had in any other, um, in the marathon. And uh, several of them were, um, were asking, but like, you know, but you were in Boston last year and I was trying to explain to them that yes, they'd heard of the Boston marathon, 
but I did better at the Chicago marathon. Um, so helping them understand that was kind of, well, kind of fun and I'm not entirely sure it was successful. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what goes into training for a marathon because you're a full-time teacher, which is like two jobs. You know, it's like it's a whole day and then it's a whole day. Uh, how do you find time to train? And can you walk through some of the challenges that you face in trying to get ready for a competition? Yeah, sure. Um, so it definitely takes a lot of time management. And that's something that I think I started to really develop and as a high schooler. But in college, it was, you know, I stepped up a level. I, I worked um, part-time during college and juggled division one athletics and, um, was on student government at Notre Dame. Um, I was the president of the judicial council because back then I thought I was going to go to law school. Um, and so that took a lot of juggling. And so it sort of, it doesn't feel that different from juggling all those pieces, um, adding in commuting and other things now that I need to do to keep myself healthy as I'm older, like massage, um, and more strength training definitely makes it more challenging. Um, I think I just have to be very, very disciplined about how I use my weekends. Um, I do a lot of meal prep on the weekend. I try to do a lot of strength work on the weekend, um, because I feel like that's the first thing that gets neglected for me when I'm, when I get really busy. Um, and I also just, I mean, I work through my lunch at, at school. Um, I try to be really efficient with my planning time. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I will work on the weekends so that I, um, so that I don't have to stay late during the work days because during Monday through Friday, it's just really, really hard to pack it all in. Um, I usually do a run before school, um, and sometimes strength as well. And then after school, um, I really enjoy tutoring. Um, it's probably something I don't really have as much time as I think I do for, um, but I love working with students that I've had previously um, when they get to high school and um, I'll tutor through pre-calculus. Um, and so I, I kind of look at the calendar as like, you know, the, the lines on the calendar are like kind of Tetris blocks and I try to, to fit in everything where it fits in. Um, but I really do rely on the weekends as a time to recharge and then also just kind of take anything that would... Um, you know, be unnecessary during the week and move it to the weekend. So I'm prepared. I am sitting here listening to you, Susanna, and I'm trying to figure out how, like, like, like how we both, both Bradley and myself, we both have two kids each. And just juggling the calendar and trying to figure out what they have to do outside of school was hard enough. And you were in it with yeah. them all the time. Um, I, I feel like the, the one thing you, you talked about, Texas, and it reminds me of, of ultra time management, literally planning and management. It is, it is an immense task. I'm curious, um, going back in time a little bit, you won the Cherry Blossom 10 Mile. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful race. I love that course. It's, it's amazing. And you are all over the place on, on newspaper. I, I really want to know, how did the kids react when they say, that they say, oh my God, Miss Sullivan is on the newspaper. It, it, did, did that change like their perspective on um, what they need to do in life or perhaps something that they aspire to? Because often we talk about when we work with kids, 
the teacher being the role model. I, I knew I see that with my kids. They don't listen to me, but they'll listen to the teachers and they'll do what the teachers tell them. I, I, I'm curious to, to hear from you, like, what were the kids' reaction? They were, I, they were so excited. Um, I think it being a race that they recognized made a big difference. Um, you know, it is the hometown race here. Um, and it was actually the Sunday before our spring break. Um, so a lot of messages rolled in over the course of the week where, you know, they, they came across something. Um, I was on the BBC a couple days after, I think the Monday or Tuesday after, um, it was just a little, a segment at the end of the world news. Um, but it was live and it was <laughs> fairly nerve wracking. Um, so that was my first like live media, um, experience and, uh, a couple of them actually saw that live on their spring break travel. So they, I think that it, that was very probably confusing for them, but uh, very cool. I think for them um, to see their teacher on TV. Um, yeah, they were, they were just thrilled. And, and I agree. I do think that they're, um, you know, I, I do take the role that I have seriously and, and being a role model. And I, like I said, at the beginning, I try to harness that like being cool element um, into kind of fostering a, an environment here um, and hopefully being an example of, you know, I can be very competitive, but caring about the people around me um, and kind of staying calm under pressure and things like that um, are, are things that have taken me time to develop. Um, and I often share with them, you know, when I was in sixth grade, I probably would, and I'll re and I'll describe a reaction to a challenge that I think is relatable to them, so that they understand that like their their reactions to challenges are it's it's okay if it's not exactly what they would envision, and it's not it's okay if it's something they're not proud of, but for them to understand that um, you know that growth mindset aspect of of you know, teaching that we're always espousing, you know, that, you know, you may not be where you want to be, but focus on the process rather than, than the end goal. Um, and I, I like to think that I'm hopefully embodying that and helping them understand that I didn't just wake up one day as a good runner and as, as somebody who could win cherry blossom. And that I think it was like my eighth attempt at cherry blossom, um, that finally ended up with a win. And there had been several disappointments along the way. Um, and so I, I try to, you know, articulate that to them without, you know, without boring them to death. Um, but I also try to help them see just kind of in day-to-day -day health habits. Like I talk to them a lot about hydration um, and activity as being something that really stim stimulates cognitive performance and how, um, you know, I, hopefully they see me moving around a lot during the day and they see me drinking a lot of water during the day. And it's fun to see them picking up on those things, um, you know, and asking like, can we go, you know, run a lap around the field before we take this math test? <laughs> sure. You know, that sounds good. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us and, um, thank you for sharing your journey and let's hope that, you know, we, all of us, um, can continue to take inspiration from those around us. And 
I do have a personal message. Please respect your teachers and love your teachers because they are doing so much for not just our kids, but also the next generation and generations thereafter. So thank you so much for everything that you do, Susanna, and thanks for spending time with us today. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you for joining in another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week and be sure to download the TCS New York City Marathon app and follow one and cheer along your favorite runners. Thank you so much.